0: Jeff and Joseph speak with Trent, who is Joseph's branch president in Vermont. He gives insights into how church leaders can be more understanding of different circumstances in a branch or ward. Trent talks about how he spent a lot of time and effort trying to better understand Joseph when he first heard that a member of his branch experiences same-sex attraction. They all discuss the internal conflicts that come from being a member of the church while simultaneously knowing how to support and love anyone making choices that don't align with church values. Many commonalities exist between all members of the church as we strive to have a better relationship with Jesus Christ, which they expound on as they talk about the roles that grace and mercy play in ward leadership. They talk through the importance of providing safe spaces in all areas of the church where people can feel safe to have conversations seeking understanding. Trent also looks back on his own experiences as a branch president to share advice with other church leaders, which includes the importance of putting trust into those around us, regardless of what their personal challenges may be. All of that and more on today's Voices of Hope podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Voices of Hope podcast. We are your hosts for today. I'm Joseph Bacone and I'm here with Jeff Case. This podcast is sponsored by Northstar International, a faith-affirming resource for Latter-day Saints addressing sexual orientation and gender identity, and who desire to live in harmony with the teachings of Jesus Christ and the doctrines and values of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is our desire to be a spiritually uplifting resource for individuals and families dealing with these complex issues. It is also to empower individuals to help educate themselves, their family, friends, and church leaders as they strive to become integrated more fully and lovingly into the church community. Our guest today is Trent Shelton. He's a branch president in Rutland, Vermont. Trent and I go a little way back. Um, He was my branch president when I was living in Vermont. Um, I moved there in 2008. And so I'm going to turn some time over to Trent to introduce himself and kind of give a little bit.
2: Of his background. Thanks, Joseph. It's good to be here. And Jeff, we appreciate you guys um, having me on and, and being able to share a few things. So like Joseph said, I am currently living in Rutland, Vermont. I have been married for about 20 years. I have six kids. I have a, I'm currently a physician here in Rutland and that's why we're here. We've kind of moved all over the place between schooling and the Air Force I spend a little bit of time in the Air Force. We've been in New Hampshire and North Dakota and Colorado. let's see Arizona and Utah, so we've been kind of all over the place. but we really love Vermont. It's a great place to to be outside and do a lot of outside activities and um that's where we're at so no i love that i think that's uh it's so beautiful up in the northeast and
3: uh it sounds like you've been there for a little bit and and enjoy being out there i wonder like the dead of winter
2: right now is it still enjoyable to be outdoors You know what? We just had a big snowstorm yesterday and got about 12 inches of snow. And so we were up on the ski slopes yesterday. So excellent, we're we're loving it.
3: That's great. (laughs) I won't have you compare East Coast to West Coast skiing. No. Because I don't want to start a a riot up in here. There's really no comparison, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, let's just leave it at that and not say who wins.
1: (laughs) I did see some. I like some of the pictures that people have been posting In Vermont, it reminded me a couple years back. I'd been at work since I don't know, like five in the morning or something. By eleven, my car was covered; like you could not see my car in the snow. It was like something surreal from the movie. So, I, needless to say, I'm grateful to be in in Utah and not having to dig my my uh, Camry out of four
2: feet of snow or whatever it is that you guys have. I do have a lot of sore muscles today. (laughs) There was a lot of shoveling yesterday
1: so today we have kind of the the unique opportunity because trent and i go back um i what i what i say is trent was really kind of a major support for me I, my wife and i moved out to vermont with their kids and trent called me to be the young men's president and i remember sitting in front of him and being like uh so you just need to know this thing not that i have a Not that I am have any issues with it, but, but I'm gay and some parents might have an issue. I don't know if you have an issue, but I just want you to know that. And Trent, do you remember what you said when,
2: when I brought this up? I mean, I do remember that experience and, and in all honesty, it probably took me back a little bit. It was just something that I wasn't expecting, I guess. And, um, if, if I remember right, and you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong, but. I said something like well are, are you okay to go to the temple and you said yes and i'm like okay then there's no problem like that's let's yeah, go forward. Yeah, let's totally, move
1: on totally, you're like yep still on it you're not getting out of this call yeah, like, okay.
3: <laughs> you know what, joseph i tried the same tactic uh when i was called to be cubmaster many years ago hoping to like not get the calling that the bishop might have a problem with it but he had no issue <laughs>
1: Yeah. And, well, and, th- and that kind of, for me started, I think for me, it meant a lot, Trent. And, um, I mean, you and I've had a lot of conversations since that time, but that meant a lot for me to hear, um, here was this leader of this congregation who was willing to entrust somebody who, uh, you know, as a gay man, sometimes I can get in my head about stuff and, and for you to be able to say, Hey, listen, are you temple worthy? Like, if you are, then no issue. That really went a long way. And um, kind of as I reflect on not only that conversation, but subsequent conversations that we've had, you know, the the one question that I've really had the chance to think about, especially now being removed from Vermont is, is like, why, and not why were you so nice to me, but like, where does it, where did this come from for you? Because I felt like it was very natural for you to kind of be in this space. Oftentimes in our conversations, you'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing or what's going on. I don't really know anything. But you always just seem to know what to say, when to say it. And that just, that went really far for me as I continue to navigate my sexuality and, and religion.
2: Well, I appreciate that because I am the first to admit to admit that you know my experiences and exposures are are really limited to be honest, fairly limited and and that's one of my biggest fears is that I'm going to offend someone or say something that's ignorant or insensitive just because I don't know about the situation and so right I I think I learned a lot through this process but but I mean I can I can go back like through all my childhood, like, again, I, I grew up in the church. I grew up in a small community. I, there was very limited exposure to the LGBT community throughout my, my growing up years. I don't, I don't ever remember anyone in my high school of, of coming out as gay or lesbian. And that probably went clear through college, to be honest. Like, it, it just never, I never had to face um, that, that reality or, or that um, that situation. And so... Um, I think one of the one of the things that I remember that was kind of a turning point for me in that um, experience is my f- sister um, is I have an older sister who her brother in law was gay and he was getting married and I I just remember having this conversation with her about her conflict in whether she should go to the to the wedding or not um as as she could be seen as showing support or you know encouraging that and it was this real struggle for her and 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 I kind of I'm embarrassed to say that we had that type of conversation at that time but uh, you know it was it was a, a while ago and uh, so I think those were some of the feelings and so anyway I, long- I, I don't want to interrupt but I'm
1: going to because that's what I do yeah. but I think I just want to acknowledge um, so a couple of things I love that you're continuing to lean in the conversation. This is like classic Trent for those of you who don't know him just kind of leans into it. And I appreciate that. Um, But even your, even kind of that mentality, even as a, as a gay man in the church, that was a view that I had. I had friends who were getting married and I had a conflict in my own mind and in my own heart. Like, is it supporting? Am I, you know, there used to be, and maybe it still is a temple question around, like, do you support any organizations or people or whatever that go, you know, teach against. And so there was this real conflict when stuff like that would come up. I mean, as, as recent as 2018, um, I had a coworker and we were talking about him and his partner and maybe they were going to get married. And, but it was kind of a turning point for me at that point. Cause he said, you know, I'd like to get married, but I'm worried that even good friends who I think are good friends and who are supportive today. If I said I'm getting married, they might be like, Oh, I can't do that. I can't support that. And um, that was one of many experiences that has helped me kind of navigate and think through this. And so I just say that is even as a gay person growing up in the church, that was a struggle that I had.
2: No, I appreciate that. And, and so that, I mean, eventually what happened was my sister came and, and I, I think she made it a matter of prayer to be honest and, and kind of, Um, went to the Lord. And, and I remember her telling me, she said, what happened was I had, I I don't know if it was a voice or whatever, but it said, you don't need to worry about that. Like you need to love and support and Christ will take care of the rest. And she said instantly, she just had this weight lifted off of her and said, that's right. I don't need to be the one that's, that's judging or making, you know, deciding who's what's right and what's wrong type of thing. She's like, I need to love and support. And, and that's what I'm going to do. And so for me, I've remembered that over all those years of just love and support and, you know, in, in anybody. And so I, I try to take that into, as I meet anybody of, you know, it's not our job to, to be the judging and, and, uh, you know, say who's right or wrong. We do we don't have to do that. Luckily, like, right. That's, that's Christ's job and, and he can take care of that and we can love and support. And so. Well,
3: yeah. Well, and I think that's kind of what we're asked to do is it's in our interactions with other people offering love and support for individuals. We don't have to endorse, you know, I don't, I don't have to endorse a lot of different things, but I can show love and support for my friends and my family and not have to take, take a stance on, uh, on a civil rights question or on a political question or even a doctrinal question and still support people, support my family and friends.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, and so really after that, I didn't have a whole lot of, again, interaction or, or, um, experiences with the LGBT community until I met Joseph and we've kind of gone through our, our experience. And, and for me, it was a really great learning experience. In all honesty, i i started I started researching, right? And so I read a lot. I read a lot of the stuff that, that on the church's website, um, and and I read Tom Christofferson's book. Um, what is the that we may be one? I that love. That.
1: I just say I love that? I mean, I would heard about this book, but if for those of you who are listening who haven't read this book. To me that was the final step for me trent that put me over the edge on these ideas of like conflict of like how do i respond to this i thought the beauty that was manifested in the interactions between members of the church and tom and, and his partner i thought were just something connected for me in a way that hadn't before and similar to kind of what you described with your sister um, i did feel a level of weight lifted off where i felt like hey it's, that's not my job. I don't need to carry that weight of like right and wrong in the world. I, I have to be responsible for my choices of my own right and wrong and, and making sure my behaviors are aligned with God. But God, at the end of the day, will figure out the rest in a, in a perfect way that I am nowhere near capable of doing. So I, I love that book.
3: So, yeah, Joseph, I was just going to ask you, like, if you could speak about your experiences with, with Trent, um, as a member of his congregation, like, uh, kind of talk me through like your state of mind and what you found helpful and not helpful. And then Trent, we can kind of ask you similar questions about your time with Joseph.
1: So I think there were things that really define, um, my experience working with Trent, um, I would go to Trent with some of the most random um, things that were happening, whether it was porn use or talking to, you know, just having a rough time in my marriage, relationally with my wife or whatever, or me just feeling like I'm not, like just kind of maybe some self-loathing. And so it'd be a number of factors that would take me to to Trent. And I would just start talking to Trent. And um, very quickly, I learned that Trent was really seeking to understand. He would lead with questions. Hey, what about this? Or what about that? And not like posing scenarios to me, really trying to understand what I was speaking and what I was saying. And then taking it for face value, not trying to second guess what I was sharing, not trying to offer his own take on what I was sharing. And then he would say, hey, I think I heard you say this or that. And over time, I just... grew to appreciate it and yes he was my ecclesiastical leader but eventually just became kind of this friend and confidant that i felt like i could go to and i could trust and also trust that he was not only being inquisitive about my experience and open to it but then found ways to reaffirm my own faith my faith in christ reaffirm my faith in um, the priesthood organization He probably didn't realize he was doing that, but by acting in that capacity, it was doing that for me. I've never really had a terrible experience with priesthood leaders, but this was just one other in a successive line of really wonderful interactions with priesthood leaders that reaffirm my faith in the system. I think especially today when there's a lot of chatter about, well, bishops and branch presidents aren't trained and this or that. And my big takeaway from this has been God's grace is sufficient. And it certainly was that case with us. I don't know, Trent, what what were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, no, I, I truly was seeking to understand. And, and that's, I really appreciated Joseph for that, that allowed me to ask probably some crazy questions. Um, And he was just so open and honest, and just, you know, was able to um really just just tell it how it was and how he was feeling and wasn't trying to hide anything and um I felt really grateful that you know we could have these open frank conversations I I I really do um live, try to live by the adage you know seek first to understand and then and then seek to be understood and so that's that's what I would you know always suggest to people is is ask questions and, and try to understand.
3: You know, I think that's a really great point that I want to kind of highlight because I feel like for a lot of us, and, and this goes for me, um, and who, and, in kind of how I feel right. Uh, when I'm with a priesthood leaders or other church leaders, like even, uh, in the Relief Society, I've had conversations, but seek first to understand, to, to lead off with questions, um, help me understand, or, or there's a, uh, so me being a psychologist, there's a question that we use when we're. Interpreting the Rorschach, the ink blot tests, and the question we say, is, or the statement we make, is uh, "Help me see it how you see it." When they interpret an ink blot, help me see it how you see it, and that that helps me get into the mind of the person that I'm evaluating or that I'm who I'm sitting with, right? And so I, I've had uh, some really great experiences with bishops who are like, "What do I need to know about you to help you better?" Right. And, and other times I've had it where I've kind of just said, Hey, I'm attracted to guys or I'm gay or same sex attracted, depending on where I was at, at that point in my life. And they just kind of launched into, um, some, some counsel for me without knowing anything about me. And, and so I think it's a, it's a really important point to really kind of try to see the world through the eyes of the other person.
1: I like kind of what you said there, Jeff, because, um, I do find that even if in many of my ecclesiastical experiences, they weren't necessarily um, terrible or anything like that, or I never felt discriminated or anything. Um, but sometimes I like that this is a special call out that I think is important for leaders to understand. And it's like, you don't need to jump into the council just yet. And I remember Trent, I don't know if we had this experience, I think maybe one of the first times I had come to you with some issues that I was having. And you're like, I need to think about this. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to think about it. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember this? I, I don't
2: know if I remember that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember it because it was so, so it was so different than what I was accustomed to. I'd show up and this is kind of the typical situation. I'd show up with my priest leader, I'd talk through some challenges, and then they'd have some counsel for me. And the and that did not happen in our interaction initially and it probably didn't happen the first few times and it wasn't until there was a cadence that you got really comfortable asking questions that we could kind of continue the dialogue but early on it was like hey you know what I'm gonna think about this let me pray about it and I'll come back and I just I think there's a humility there that was demonstrated that really did um help facilitate the the dialogue between you and I I mean what do you think
2: yeah no I again I think it's it's being able to recognize what you don't know. Right. And, and like you just, you can't help anyone or you can't, you know, be helpful if you're just trying to based off your own experiences. Um, Cause really your experience is going to be completely different from the next person. And so um, I, I totally, you know, agree with that of, of being able to say, you know, Hey, I don't know. And, and kind of again, working at it together, um, and and I love I love that concept of counseling. Like I love counseling together, and that's you know even if there's two people, that concept of being able to work together and and bounce ideas off of each other and um, come up with with the best you know possible plan.
3: Well and, and including the holy the Holy Spirit in that conversation, right? So uh, an example that I had with a bishop in Texas, uh, when I went to him and, and first told him about my attractions and also some of the problems that I was having, I fully expected him to um, yank away a temple recommend or callings or whatever. and And after we sat for two hours, he his response was, uh, "Tonight I've decided nothing, but I would like two weeks to pray." And to really think and ponder. And so we set up an appointment for two weeks later. And he came back and he says, Jeff, I've learned two things about you. Or or rather, I should say, the Holy Ghost has taught me two things about you. You need to be serving in the church and you need to be in the temple.
1: And I love that. And it was exactly right. I love that. And, And when we talk about ministering to the one, right? Even look if we look at the handbook and kind of the changes in the handbook, changes in how we do gospel learning in the church, there really is Kind of this shift toward really getting in touch with Christ, really relying on the influence of the Holy Ghost, living your life so that you can receive that, exercising the humility to receive the insight and knowledge from the Holy Ghost. And I just, I think that just really resonates with me. Um, it does remind me of an anecdote, and when I this anecdote about Elder President Ballard, Elder Ballard at the time. And this kind of helped shift the way I thought about stuff as well as a priesthood leader, myself at the time. Um, but elder ballad was in in the room and they were talking about some serious challenges that the ward was facing. And, um, you know, people are offering their, their insights and input as, as I typically had done in the past. Hey, I think, I think we should do this or, Hey, I think we should do that. And it wasn't really resonating. And I remember, um, elder ballard they turn to him to hey you know elder ballard what are your thoughts and i love the humility of an apostle who arguably knows i mean certainly i'll speak for my he knows the scriptures better than me probably has a really close relationship with the lord but he said i don't know i can't feel the holy ghost right now and i'm not getting anything so i don't know but i think as we continue to seek it out from god that he can bless us with the insights And I just love that. I I would love to see more of that in the church where, where we can just be honest about it to say, Hey, I don't know the answers, but you know who does God does, and he is sufficient and I can continue to kind of seek him out.
3: You know, a dear friend of mine actually made that point recently uh, in a presentation that he gave uh, to, to seminary and Institute leaders. And he basically said, the spirit of the Lord can testify to the truthfulness of the answer. I don't know. The Spirit can't testify to the truthfulness of, here, let me pull something up out of my uh, derriere um, and, uh, and give you what I think is the right answer. Rather, if you were to say, I don't know, the Spirit can testify to the truthfulness of that. And I think it shows humility and the willingness to kind of grow and learn. Right, I'm sure, like you said, said, Trent. This was the first time you had met with a, a congregant who, uh, who was gay, who was in the LGBTQ spectrum. So there's probably a lot that you didn't know. I'm guessing. Oh yes,
2: yes, there was plenty I didn't know, and it, and that's and that's exactly right. Like and and I appreciate Joseph being you know willing to walk me through some of that process and stuff like that. But I think you're right in in saying that that God will does give us revelation and it's not to say that it's going to be instant when we want it. I think that was one of the most frustrating pieces of all of this is like there were times when I I wanted to say something or I I felt like I should have the answer to that and and I just didn't. And so that's when you just have to step back and say all right, let me let me go back to, you know, the prayer and 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 figure this figure this out so
1: it's funny because i remember going through these moments with trent and he'd be like i don't know man i just don't <laughs> know if i have any help or what answers and honestly i think the dialogue the willingness to listen the questions and god and i told trent this like god inspired what trent had to share with me and although it may have felt simple or maybe unimpactful for him it made a world of difference for me. And I think about the journey that I took while I was in Vermont, his influence and his ability to just stay humble, continue to receive insight and be open to that insight made all the difference for me and, um, and for our relationship, he, he ended up becoming a very good friend. And, and I miss now that he's in Vermont I'm, I'm here in Utah. So just kind of shifting a little bit, um, this is kind of a relatively new experience for you, Trent. But um, it's, it's a, probably something more common that's going to continue to happen is for many leaders in the church. Um, you know, what insight would you share with with other leaders who are, are working and trying to minister to members of the LGBTQ community or any kind of, or any other, I don't know, non-mainstream group? I don't know what we would call it, um, but just people who maybe don't fall within kind of the typical model that we see in the church or think of in the church? Uh,
2: I would like to say, I don't know. And then just move on. But no, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think, um, no, we're going to let you off. The right. I know, but, I know. No. but, um, I, you're right. I think this is going to be a more common thing and I've seen it. It is a more common thing, um, among members of the church and, And I think one of the things that I've learned again in my short time is that we are all different. We can have different thought processes. We're all again, come from different experiences and have different personalities. But the one thing that, that most of us have in common is that we want to have a better relationship with Jesus Christ and, and we can build on that. And, and whatever you can do to help that relationship is what, is what you should do. And so I, I, I don't know if this is a great analogy, but I sometimes think of the church as a, as a tool and, you know, to where, all right, let's use this tool in order to to help my relationship with Jesus Christ to grow. And, and there may be parts of that, that you aren't uh, you don't fully understand, or you, you just uh can't grasp the concepts or under you know understand why they have that right now but but you can find those things that will help you and and be able to grow that relationship with Christ
3: yeah I think that's a great point the the emphasis really on that relationship with Christ what is bringing us closer to him and our walk with him because there's that concept out there of the leadership roulette because not every leader is, created equally. And I'm glad for that because it allows for people to experience different things at different times in their lives. And I think that the variety is really important to kind of like the analogy of the, of the, the choir of voices. Um, uh, but it, it can't, it can be difficult. Yeah.
1: Well, and I just want to add something to there. I want to be also thoughtful about, um, sometimes there is this feeling of like, Oh, my branch president told me to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, come on, you know, like this guy's clueless. And what I will say about that is I had an elders quorum president once who I was in the throes of a lot of self-loathing, shame, still trying to understand my sexuality. I was married and, um, and I had gone to him talking about just how I was feeling, not necessarily in detail about what was going on with me, but just like, Hey, this is kind of what how I'm feeling. And he said to me, after kind of sitting there in deep thought for a few minutes, he says, I think you need to repent. And I remember my first reaction was like, that's all you got? Like, repent? I need to repent? Okay, great. Thanks for doing that. And um, But I took that back home and I chewed on it for about a week. And I started doing that. And um and miracles came into my life. And so I, I do believe when I say that grace is sufficient, I believe that grace works every direction, every way. It, it compensates for the leader who maybe doesn't have all the right words or phrasing, or maybe is a little clueless. But it's also sufficient for me as a congregant who is going forward in faith, looking to receive what God is trying to give me through his, his ordained leaders. And so I think there's a degree of faith, a degree of humility and meekness that goes into that, that when we all come together in that spirit of, of unity of the faith and meekness, that God really can come in and work a miracle. And so I just wanted to put that out there. Um, lest some leaders listening to this think, man, I got to have the right answers. You don't. And I hope that's the key takeaway here is you don't have the right answers. And that's okay. Just it's okay to acknowledge it. I don't have the right answers. But God knows and we can trust all of us can rally around him. And I think that's what I'm hearing from Trent.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what I, I always love Joseph because he can always uh, say very well what I'm thinking. So it's been great. So <laughs> I, I, I agree. Like, it's just it's just a humbleness and it's a desire to to come closer to Christ. And we're all in that same boat and we all are, you know, struggling. I know that's cliche too, of like that we all have problems, but it's so true. We all have our struggles and our, our uh, differences and and we can really support and love each other and and just kind of move that boat forward so
3: yeah 100 percent. i think that that's uh, looking for the common things that link us together right trent um you don't experience same-sex attraction right you're as far as i can tell a cisgender heterosexual male right Mm -hmm. But you have an element of humanity and if we can kind of touch into what what links us together as humans, as children of God, as disciples of Christ, what links us together, we find ourselves walking on roads with lots of people that we may not have expected to and, and in fact having a really enriching experience by going down some of these roads with people and I I believe that if we're open to that experience, and so if we're working with, with leaders, and I'll, and I'll be the first to, to admit, when I walk into a ward being, uh, being a kid that was raised in the military and then my own career in the army, like you do that thing where you size up your leader and I ask myself, is this the leader who gets to find out that I'm gay or not? And I'll, and to be truthful, it was about 50 50 for most of my adult life and 0% for my growing up years, because I didn't feel like I could trust any of them but that was my own issue. Right. Um, so when we size people up, I think I know I made the mistake of not giving people a chance to really walk with me by giving them that, that once over, um, because it was the Bishop that I thought would get me the least was the one that helped me the most. Um, and to be patient. And like Joseph said, mercy and grace, we can apply mercy at all levels. Um, and be gracious in our interactions with people around us. And I think we're going to find the spirit there. And the spirit really is the one who's going to be teaching us and and kind of walking with us through, uh, through what we're going through.
1: And that can be difficult. I mean, I think it's, okay, I'd like to acknowledge that this prospect of exercising faith in imperfect leaders is just that, it's faith. It, and sometimes it really does feel like you're you're kind of, shooting in the dark in, in trusting them. But I, my own experience is borne out time and time again. When God needs to minister to me, he has found a way to do that through my priesthood leaders and, um, as imperfect as they are. And as wonderful as Trent is, I know he's not perfect, but he has been more than enough and was more than enough in my time in Vermont. And so I just think there's, there's something to be said about, uh, Christ's grace and mercy in all of this for everybody involved.
3: Yeah, and Trent, can I ask this question of you, and, and Joseph, I'd love to hear your insight as well. How to set up um, an atmosphere within the leadership of, of, a, of a ward or a branch or a stake, um, an atmosphere where people do feel comfortable coming and talking and sharing, um, or this could be like in an elders quorum or in a relief society, or kind of at any level of the church. What, what creates a good atmosphere where people might feel willing to come talk and share.
2: So, I think I think a lot of this will just come from your your demonstration of your love for Jesus Christ, right? And and maybe maybe your testimony or or your talks or you know in in every meeting like branch council or you know anything are are you there to uplift and and help those other leaders the elders quorum president and Relief society president and and that i think will then kind of trickle down and when when people see that you love jesus christ and that you want to follow him i think it it does build some some trust um in your leaders and and then that you are again willing to willing to listen and to hear other people's opinions and their ideas Um, and I, you know, I love to hear Joseph say that, that things that I said were helpful because right when I'm walking through that, like I have no clue that that's helpful or impactful. And that, that really does come from, you know, the grace of, of Christ and, and having him, you know, answer, answer those prayers. And so again, I I think it comes back to just showing love and humility and, and kind of those basic characteristics
1: it reminds me of kind of like this, this idea of, um, you know, it's kind of the catchy thing to say now with president Nelson kind of starting it of like letting God prevail and really like each of us is on a journey to figure out what that looks like. But for me, it's, um, really letting his character find its way into my heart, into my faith, into my mind. So that when I interact with people like they get a sense of Christ's character. Not that I'm think I'm Christ or anything like that, but maybe in the way I treat them, maybe in how I view them, maybe in the way I listen, or ask a question, or said something, reminds them of Christ. Um, and and that's what kind of came to mind is like, how do we continue as we navigate this? And I think everyone across the church is trying to figure this out. How do we let God prevail in in our efforts? Um, kind of setting aside our own biases, our own desires, our own challenges and frustrations or ignorance and really saying, I'm going to trust in God. You know, Elder Holland says what we know will always trump what we don't know. And, um, and I, and I love that that resonates with me because I, I know Christ, I know his character and, and I know a, a couple of other things. I don't know a whole lot outside of those couple things, but I do know those things. And so I, I try to let those, um, kind of went out in my life to the extent that, you know, humanly possible.
3: Yeah, that's, uh, some great, some great insights. This has been such an uplifting conversation with me, uh, or for me. And I hope that, uh, Uh, people are also kind of feeling it. Um, I'm kind of curious if you have other insights, uh, Trent, that you would share with other church members, perhaps, who might feel like they don't really have a place, who may feel disconnected. And it could be because of LGBTQ-related stuff which is of course kind of the basis of our podcast, but perhaps others as well, who may be having an academic crisis or who just don't feel like they necessarily fit in. I know a lot of, I have a lot of uh, divorced individuals in my ward and who have expressed that being on the outside, wondering if they have a place. So what would you say to those who would say they don't know that they fit in or have a place in the family of Christ?
2: Vanessa, I, I'll be honest. I, agree. I sometimes hesitate in giving advice to anyone that I haven't walked in their shoes. And so, um, but, uh, but, uh, and I, I would love to understand, uh, how people's personalities and experiences go into their, their choices. Um, but, but I, I, I think the, the biggest message that I could give people is that our, our goal is to to come to better our relationship with Jesus Christ and that, and that you can use the church for that purpose. And, and really, um, God, God wants you to become the best person that you can, can be whether you're gay or lesbian or, or divorced or, or anything. And, and so seek for those ways, um, that, that God wants you to become better and, 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 become closer to him
3: so kind of from what you had said initially you you don't want to give advice to people you don't know so maybe the counsel is for people who are feeling on the outside to make themselves known to a trusted person at church make yourself known allow yourself to be vulnerable so that you can give people the chance to walk with you i remember talking with a young person uh who hadn't come out to his parents yet um and he was kind of catastrophizing in his mind. What if this happens? What if, what if this? And it was all negative stuff. And I said, you know what, maybe maybe give your dad the chance to do the right thing first. And then if it goes terribly wrong, I will be here to catch you when you fall. And, I- and, I, and, 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 and no surprise, it went beautifully with his dad. Um, and I, but I think we have to make be willing to make ourselves known Otherwise, we don't give people the
1: chance to really walk with us. I think you nailed it. Like this is why I love doing this podcast with you, Jeff. I just I love that. I think flipping it, kind of flipping the question on its head to say, "Hey, we are agents to act. We can take we can take steps toward building the ecosystem that we that we desperately would like and desperately need, and and we can do that by letting somebody that we trust and love know about us at church um and continuing to navigate uh, you know I know I have a question for you Jeff how have you identified, you know what if somebody doesn't have somebody like that at church I mean for me I think Trent was in many ways that person for sure when I was in Rutland there weren't a lot of them he was the person for me how how did you go about or how have you gone about historically finding that person at church where you feel like you can show up and take exercise that faith that we've described?
3: Yeah, I think um, it's, it's been a mixed bag for sure. But I, I noticed that for everyone that I did trust, um, I had a positive outcome. Even if I thought at the beginning it wasn't going to go well or if I, I had fears, right? It, it turned out well when I made myself known. And, I, and I've said this many times. Uh, when I'm coming out of the closet or when I'm coming out, I'm not really coming out, but I'm inviting people in and and visitors are welcome but not required so if you don't want to come be a part of this that's fine i can move on as well but i want but i'm going to invite people in i would say that give people a chance first to do the right thing and then go from there and not everyone is equipped or ready but all we can do is provide people the experience or the opportunity to do the right thing or say the right thing or just walk with us right um so maybe trust somebody that 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 that's in that position that they may be in a leadership role in your congregation um that may at first glance you may have questions or concerns but perhaps if you trust in the goodness of other people first uh then you 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 have the opportunity for for that increased intimacy increased connectedness and if it goes terribly wrong We've all survived the terribly wrong. We can get over it. We can move on, right? It, it's going to go wrong sometimes, and that's okay. We can, we can get, uh, recover from that. So I just say give people a chance and and let yourself be pleasantly surprised. And, and if hurtful things happen, and, and, and hurtful things will happen along the way, but when they do, uh, it, it gives us a chance for further growth, uh, further development, um, and, and our own opportunity to be forgiving of others.
1: I, I appreciate that. I think that's a great um, kind of thought to to kind of end on Trent. Any any other pearls of wisdom or that you'd share with us as we wrap this up?
2: No, but I again, I just appreciate the opportunity to be with you guys and to learn uh, more. I had a great experience uh, tonight, and and this will be a, a great learning experience moving forward. So, thank you very much.
3: Well, Trent, we really appreciate you taking the time to be here. I know it's late, um, but it's been a pleasure getting to know you. And I can see why, I mean, Joseph talks about you quite a lot. And I can see why you, you uh, you really exemplify real
2: discipleship. So
3: thank you for joining us tonight.
2: No problem. We're just waiting for Joseph to move back to Rutland, so <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to rip him out of my cold anyhow. Yes, yes. I'm,
3: I'm so happy he's close by. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to our podcast today. We especially appreciate the words of Trent Shelton out of Rutledge, Rutledge, right? Rutledge, Vermont. Um, did I say that right? I said that wrong, didn't I? Rutland. Rutland, I think you out of Rutland, Vermont. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> we hope that you found something of value that you can keep in your heart and share with your family, friends, and community. While this podcast supports the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we are not sponsored by the Church nor directly affiliated with the Church. All opinions and views expressed here are those of our team of volunteers, guests, hosts, and the North Star community. We hope you guys all have a great evening. Thank you.